It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Monday episode of Locked On Raptors, we take a look at the seasons of Chris Boucher and Precious Achua, a pair of extremely important Raptors reserves who both regressed this year after really strong showings in 2021-22. What went well? What went wrong? And will the Raptors be forced to trade one of the two this offseason to rebalance the roster? We'll examine those questions and more coming up on today's episode. Thanks for hanging. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to another episode of Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Monday, May the 1st. Happy May Day, baby. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. Uh, we made it all the way to the spring, maybe, hopefully. We'll see. Either way, I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean, and you can, of course, join the Locked on Raptors Discord server. The link is in the description. Come hang out as we talk about fake trades and the playoffs and fake trades and fake trades. It's all in there. You'll also get access to ask questions of me to be heard on this here show so jump on in you can also follow the show on instagram at locked on raptors and of course the show is free and available wherever you get your shows you can subscribe on youtube for the video feeds or you can go to all the different audio apps and subscribe just subscribe on all of them why not it's uh, probably very very helpful to me if you go do that and what other reason do you need than to have five different podcast apps all subscribe to locked on raptors i say go do it all right Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. All right, let's get to it. On today's show, we're taking a look at the seasons of Chris Boucher and Precious Achua. Two dudes who are apparently very important to the Raptors' success when they're on, the Raptors become very hard to beat. When they're not on, the Raptors have six good players at best and are very hard to not beat if you're another team. And this season, I think a lot of the sort of ups and downs of the year can be tied to the various ups and downs of Chris Boucher and Precious Achua, two guys who, look, you shouldn't be relying as much as the Raptors did on those guys showing out night to night, but it was certainly noticeable that they didn't quite have the juice they had in 2021-22. We'll get into the reasons why. We'll get into the offseason and what might be on the horizon for both of these guys. Precious is up for an extension. Chris Boucher is on a pretty reasonable contract, but could he get moved? Should he get moved? We'll get to all that. But first, let's start off 
with the good, shall we? Because it wasn't all bad for Chris Boucher and Precious Achua this season. Chris Boucher's season, you know, not his, like, uh, crowning achievement or anything like that. Nine and a half points, five and a half boards, shot 49% from the field, 33% from deep, which was a nice step up from the 29% clip he had in 21-22. Of course, a far cry from the 39% clip he was at in Tampa Bay. And boy, oh boy, would things be a whole lot easier for the Raptors going forward if Chris Boucher could just be that 39% three-point shooter It's a shame. And, you know, with Boucher shooting this season, yes, he finished at 33%. There were sections of the year where it felt like he couldn't miss and other sections where it felt like every single three he put up was a win for the other team. Uh, You know, very inconsistent and very up and down. And that's the case with both of these guys, for sure. As far as stuff that went well, look, it's not a surprise with Chris Boucher when things go well, right? Like, his formula is pretty clear. Crash the offensive glass, be a menace in transition, throw down very cool transition dunks, of which he threw down many this year, and it was awesome. Uh, But, you know, it doesn't require a whole lot. On defense, it's cover a lot of ground, contest threes, block threes, do the thing that the Raptors do on defense, which is scramble around and try to make three-point shooters see ghosts with the amount of sort of distance you cover coming out from from the paint to go and connect, contest those threes. Uh, you know, that's kind of the package for Chris Boucher. Some secondary rim protection here and there as well. Um, but he's not really asked to play as like a center very often. When he does, it doesn't tend to go super well for the Raptors because he's very slight of stature. And he continues to be more of a wing-type player than a traditional big, despite what his typical skill set would suggest. But, um, you know, this was, again, I don't think it was a bad season from Chris Boucher necessarily. It certainly wasn't as good as it was last year. And we'll get into some of the reasons why in the next segment but overall I think the big thing here is we just didn't see enough good Chris Boucher we didn't see those games where he comes in and just like pops off for you know 25 points his season high was 22 um and you know I think it's telling that the Raptors were 10 and 4 in games in which Chris Boucher had 15 points or more uh like that it, it didn't take much for the Raptors to look like a real basketball team and usually Chris Boucher was right there in his best moments making the Raptors look their best when he was doing the typical formula We'll get into sort of the reasons why it didn't feel like it was there all season. Part of it is context of the team. Part of it just feels like, you know, it's kind of like ethereal, like just didn't have it type stuff. We'll get to that. But, you know, I thought for the most part, when we saw Chris Boucher be good this season, it was not a surprising formula necessarily. Um, The offensive rebounding still a strength, although maybe not quite as strength as it used to be. But uh, that 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 was it with him. With, with Precious, you know, a little bit more of I think an interesting up and down when it came to what was good, what was bad. As far as what was good, I mean, this was a season of wild oscillations for Precious, and that makes sense considering he's a roller coaster man just in general. But you know, he starts the season has a couple really nice outings early on. I think back to um, you know that game where he really just made Trey Young look like he wanted to be anywhere else but in Toronto, when the Raptors really, really flummoxed him in, in that game early on in the season. That same week, they beat the Spurs by forty points, and everything was looking super duper hunky dory. Um, also, in that first week, Precious had those two incredible games against Miami. That back to back split they had with the Heat, where first game they lose, but Precious goes for eighteen and eleven, hits two threes. And then he's following that up in a win with 10 points and 22 rebounds, which I'm pretty sure went down uh, as his season high. I would be very surprised if it did not, as I sort basketball reference just to be sure I'm not lying. No, it was. His next highest game in rebounds was 13. So, yeah, substantially, that was his uh, his sort of high watermark. And frankly, that week was maybe the high watermark of his season until 
January? Like, it really kind of tailed off after that, right? You had... I think some more uneven performances after that first week or so. You had uh, the three-point shooting just totally drying up, and you had, I think, obviously the injury really derailed him. Early November, I think he goes down. He's out for basically two months. That was a big, big thing. And thankfully, that wasn't the last of good pressures we saw this year. He came back in January, kind of a man renewed, and he was really bloody good, like really, really effective in that January stretch where the Raptors kind of found themselves. They reimagined what they did with Scotty Barnes. Fred Van Vliet was back on a roll. And this was where Precious kind of had me feeling all tingly again, the way only Precious Achua can really make me tingle. Uh, like just some of the stuff he was doing, the... For me, it's the body control when he's defending, the way that he's just so clearly stronger and more physically in control of his limbs than anybody else. And that was reflected in a really, really excellent foul rate this season for Precious. You might look at Precious and say, that guy, he's probably like a pretty, you know, he fouls a lot. The Raptors foul a lot. Uh, you know, a bit of a, a roller coaster player, the type of guy who makes the mistakes that ended fouls all the time. Not true. He was in the 82nd percentile per cleaning the glass in foul percentage this season. Very good. Like, he just did not foul a ton, despite having a lot of big defensive assignments when he was out there, uh, and often kind of, you know, contesting at the rim, and really kind of in these high-impact areas of the floor defensively. Um, it was really nice. He also drastically improved as a rim scorer this season. 72% at the rim this year. That's huge, up from 59% the year prior in 21-22 where all I can think about that season is Precious grabbing offensive rebounds and not being able to finish them. He was much better as a putback specialist this season if on you know lower volume as the Raptors were not quite the same uber-dominant offensive rebounding team that they were in 21-22. They were just a very good offensive rebounding team this time around. Um, but ultimately, it all comes down to the defense with Precious, right? And you can say all the stuff about the offense, um, you know, where, where things kind of came along. There were moments where it seemed like he was kind of figuring out the processing and the, all right, I got to make the move here, and then I make this read here. It wasn't anything drastic or anything like that, but there were little stretches where it seemed like Precious was kind of smoothing out some of that really erratic decision-making on offense. But ultimately, the positive takeaway remains is that Precious Achua is a ridiculous defensive player. He certainly has all defense upside if he can play a full season and a heavy minutes total. He's absurd. He can guard one through five, full stop, and not very many players alive can say that. Really, really few players. There's maybe like 10 on the planet, 15 at most, who can credibly say, I can guard any person on a floor at any time, and it's not like a problem for my team. Precious is one of those dudes, and that's what makes the offense so infuriating at times because the bar for his offense is not high at all. He just has to be, like, adequate to slightly below average offensively, and he's a guy you can justify having on the floor because, again, the way he defends, the way he can be an emergency rim protector and deter shots, you know, contest shots, alter shots at the rim, the way he can switch on to basically anybody. I talked about Trey Young, for example. That's, like, a really impressive thing to be able to do in year three of your career. It's the defense that's going to make Precious Achua's career really get going here um, it, because it's so bloody impressive. The offense will be the thing that unlocks a lot of it, but uh, ultimately the big takeaway here from another Precious season is 
What a defender. Holy hell. How can you weaponize that more? How can you get him on the floor in more situations where it's valuable? Um, you know, it would have been really nice to have Precious as an option, say, in that play-in game against the Bulls where Yak wasn't quite cutting it. The free throws were a problem. Uh, you know, Precious is no great free throw shooter, but he did improve from that department this season as well, up to 70%. That's massive for him. There were very clear improvements in Precious's game. Small things on the stat sheet that popped out that maybe didn't get noticed night to night. Um, but I think of the two between Precious and Boucher, as much as Boucher, I think, had more nights where he was good this year, I think the highs that Precious reached were significantly higher than what Boucher was capable of reaching. That's because Boucher, is, as much as uh, we love his athleticism, he's not Precious Achua when it comes to staying in front of guys and being one of the best defenders in an on-ball situation. Or really, you know, we'll see how the, the off-ball stuff comes and as the Raptors maybe have a more sensible team scheme on defense, so that'll be a little bit more telling. But uh, Precious' defense, that's the positive takeaway among all of those sort of little incremental things. Now he's got to put it together next year. We're going to come back on the other side, get into what didn't go so hot for Boucher and Precious this season. We, of course, have the future and the offseason and our Discord question of the day to get to as well. Before we do any of that, however, should tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks, who are making daily fantasy sports fun, easy, super accessible. And what a better time to get into it. you got the playoffs going on for both the NBA and NHL. you got baseball season ramping up. You've got the WNBA season. I think the training camps begin this week. Very exciting. And you can play Prize Picks. It's daily fantasy sports, and it's super easy. All you got to do is pick two to six players on your given entry on a given night, and whether they're going to get more or less than their projection for that stat, if if you get all six right, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. It doesn't have to be one sport either. You can go cross sport. You can do hockey with a basketball. You can do a NBA with a WNBA. You can do all of it. Mix and match so you get the players you want on your entries each and every night. It's super easy. Uh, entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. Safe and fast withdrawals as well. And they're currently operational in over 30 states and in Canada in every province except for Ontario at the moment. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code locked on. Meaning if you put in 100 bucks of your own money, they're going to match it. 100 bucks will just appear alongside your original hundo in your account just by using that promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100 with prize picks the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs mark your calendars to listen to locked on nba every monday to be up to date locked on nba available on youtube and wherever you get podcasts Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's continue on, shall we? Your first listen of the day. Before we go any further, though, programming notice tomorrow on the show. Howard Beck, the wonderful uh, longtime NBA reporter and writer, is going to be on the show making his second appearance on the show. He's been doing some work with the Locked On Podcast Network as a playoff contributor, and we will be talking to him about the Raptors offseason, their coaching search, big questions for the summer, all that good stuff. Really excited to say what up, Beck, one more time on the show tomorrow. So keep an eye out for that. That'll probably drop at the usual time. I know this episode's dropping a little later than normal. That one will be at the usual noonish. You can expect that to premiere on the YouTube channel and drop in the audio feeds. All right. With that promotion out of the way, let's dive in now to what didn't go so hot this this year for Chris Boucher and Precious Achua. And as I said, it was just like a consistency thing. And how nice would it have been if you just got good Precious and good Boucher 
through the whole year. And part of this, too, is like they never quite recaptured the magic of the two of them as a tandem, which is really tough. Like, it, it's just you you have those two guys they they came in that in that 2021-22 season they were just like these bashing chaos bringing offensive rebound chugging monsters who really made a lot of those sort of in between funky lineups with multiple 6-9 guys really work it was the heyday of vision 6-9 now that we think back to it back the, down the stretch of the 2021-22 season where Fred VanVleet was hurt, missing time, and the Raptors were rolling out long, weirdo groups, and they were doing so to very great effect. Not so much the case uh, this season, unfortunately. And that Boucher-Precious tandem never really quite found that sort of juice that, you know, you come in and you know exactly what you're getting from them. The, The best thing you can get in a bench player is dependability, reliability, know exactly what they're going to do for you, and they couldn't find that with those guys this year. As far as their their on-court impact was concerned, I'm just pulling up the numbers here on Cleaning the Glass. Just bear with me as I click around very clumsily with my big oafish fingers. But um, with Boucher and Precious on the floor together this season, the Raptors were a minus 4.5. Sorry, that is 4.5 points worse with them on the floor than when they were on, uh, than when they were off. Sorry, they were bad. They just totally dropped off. The bench lost its mojo completely and, and never really gained it. To be to, to be fair, um, you compare it to last year, that duo together plus three point one positive differential with them on the floor. So a seven point five, seven point six point drop off from year to year. And you know, I think that again speaks to that sort of unspeakable, unknowable, unidentifiable, just lack of having it in Chris Boucher's case a lot of the time. Right? Like I, I just feel like. He's the kind of guy, there were no surprises. He would come into a game and you'd kind of know right away, oh, this is going to be a good Boucher night, or oh, this is going to be kind of a lifeless Boucher night. And there were just too many of the latter compared to the former. And this is someone here, Chris Boucher, a year ago on this podcast, right around this time, I was detailing why I thought he should have been in the six man of the year conversation. He was one of the single most impactful reserves in the NBA last year, one of the single most reliable and dependable reserves in the league last year. It just wasn't there for him this season. And look, part of it's context, right? He was playing in some weird, not very good lineups with some strange spacing and, you know, guys trying to figure out their their roles. Scotty Barnes flexing his muscles a little bit more a little bit more as a ball handler. Um, and I find Boucher and Scotty of any two like of any guy who Barnes throws passes to, Boucher feels like the least ready all the time. Um, which is something Scotty's gotta be mindful of, but also Boucher's gotta be aware. Like I'm playing with Scotty Barnes, dude's looking for me, and it just felt like a lot of times those balls just kind of flip out off his fingers, stuff like that. Um it does feel like bad analysis to just say like he didn't have it more often than not, but that's really what it felt like with Boucher, and he's the kind of guy where you again like you almost know immediately if it's going to be a good night for him or not. Some of it's matchup dependent; you kind of know going in. He always kills the Sixers; that's always nice. Um, he was also just like slightly less dominant at the stuff he was incredible at in 21-22, in particular. Offensive rebounding. He was still a positive offensive rebounder. The Raptors became a better offensive rebounding team when he was on the floor versus when he was off, but it was not as drastic as it was last year. Like, when he was on the floor last season, the Raptors... Sorry, when you had that Boucher-Precious duo, I have the numbers up again here. Uh, That duo last year, when they were on the floor together, 35 offensive rebounding percentage. 35! 99th percentile in the NBA. Incredible. And... We, they just lost that a little bit this year. It wasn't quite as dominant. For Chris Boucher, the team's offensive rebounding percentage in 21-22 went up 4.3 percentage points when he was on the floor. Last year, sorry, this year went up just 1.9%. It wasn't quite the same 
domination of that margin. And the thing is, is when you're a team that lives on the margins like the Raptors were, you can't not dominate the margins because that's like 20% of the game you're trying to own and have it flip the script of the game. But if you're not dominating there and the rest of the game you're not dominating either, then you're just a 41 and 41, not very good team that's going out in the play-in, right? Like it's just, you didn't get enough from Boucher. Precious, look, I think his season was totally derailed by that injury, of course, and, and that was uh, super unfortunate. I was at that game, actually, when he came down with that ankle injury. It looked really bad from the second it happened, um, and it was a real shame you missed those couple months there. They could have used him big time during that stretch when their defense, I don't think as like a coincidence, became bottom of the league level bad. Um, you know, I, I think we saw... This year with Precious, you know, that the offensive roller coaster, like that's still a thing that's going to be what limits him, right? That's like the other sort of underbelly of this season. Um, you know, he got called up by Nick Nurse at times as well. Like there was just like a lot of weird stuff with Precious this year. The role never seemed solidified. After the Yakup Pertle trade, you know, on the heels of a January where he looked awesome, uh, you know, it seemed to take a long time to find himself. He had a couple nice showings in the last week of the season, but nothing you could really depend on going into the play-in. Uh, and... You know, again, I think part of this is context. Part of this is the way these guys were used. You know, Precious, I think he really suffered when he got to, when he had to play center this season. And Nick Nurse said it all the time. He's not really a center. And then just kept playing him at center. And it was kind of maddening. I think he was right when he did deem that Precious is probably best as a wing type player, as a forward type player. And I frankly think that's how he should be used going forward, specifically next to Christian Coloco, who I think stands a chance of being a pretty good backup in the next couple of years here. And you could have those guys be your front court. And I think that kind of makes some sense. Um, but like they asked him to play center too much this season. He's not cut out for that. And on offense, he's just really not cut out for that because he doesn't have the offensive skill set to do it. He's not a reliable role man, role target. He can't make those reads on the short roll. He's a guy who needs to stand on the wing, wait for the ball to swing to him, take a three or drive past the dude with that incredibly electric first step. That is how Precious Achua is going to succeed going forward. And I think it's good that it was identified by Nick Nurse at one point that he should be more of a wing player. Uh, you know, big norm is kind of the way I've, I've branded him as sort of a joke, but not really a joke for the last couple seasons. If you can have him be big norm. That's great. Um, but despite pinpointing that issue, Nick Nurse still rolled him out a whole bunch as a center. And in weird clunky bench lineups that didn't have enough shooting, didn't have enough playmaking, you know, and I don't know how much you lay at the feet of Boucher and Precious for those lineups just not having the juice, right? Like, you get bad Gary Trent Jr. nights. There's not a ton of playmaking when Gary Trent Jr. is out there as one of the top two sort of offensive options. And so those guys were not quite seeing the end of plays as often as you'd like to see either. Um, and just, like, the lack of shooting really came to burn them. Last season, Precious Achua shot 38% after the All-Star break. This season, he shot uh, 27% from three. Not going to cut it. Just not going to do it. And that's obviously like the biggest swing skill for Precious. We talk about the offensive ups and downs. What's going to unlock him in a role where he doesn't have to make all those quick fire decisions that are going to cause him trouble is if he's in one of those sort of more read and react, playing off the swing type of spots like we talked about, like Nick Nurse pinpointed. Uh, but the three-point shooting has to be there. Otherwise, no one's going to care about the ball swinging in the weak side corner to Precious Achua, and there are going to be plenty of ways to lay off of him, you know, lean on the drive, you know, force him into those threes, all that stuff. It gets really difficult to make it happen on offense when you're just bricking threes the way Precious was this season. Um, again, it doesn't take much for him to be justifiable as a player on the floor because of the level of his defense, but his offense at times this season was just way too erratic, 
way too down in terms of the like up and down roller coaster nature of his game. Uh, and you know when he was on offense this season, it was you know we've talked about it. I've called him the poster coaster uh, after the lovely ghoster coaster, the ride at Wonderland that makes you feel like you're gonna fly over the edge every single time because it's rickety and wooden and made from the, the 1950s. Uh, that is the experience of Precious, except uh, you know it'd be nice if he was a little bit more behemoth or leviathan that smooth roller coaster ride uh would be kind of nice as well we're going to come back on the other side dig into all of the reasons why i think we might be staring down a breakup of the precious and boucher bash brothers chaos boys duo whether one of them is going to get traded why i think one of them in particular kind of is a very good trade candidate we'll also talk about precious's off-season decision when it comes to his extension. We'll get to that in one sec. Before we do that, however, reminder, locked on Leafs, baby. The Buds did it. They're in the second round. Holy crap. Go listen to Locked on Leafs. Mike DiStefano, Dave Morissuti, breaking it all down. They had their episode today, breaking down the Game 6 overtime win. Shout out John Tavares. Uh, and, of course, they'll be covering it all the way through as the Raptors take, not the Raptors, the Maple Leafs take on the Florida Panthers in round two. Sorry, Boston. Ha 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 ha. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, let's continue on here and round up the show. Thank you, as always, uh, for tuning in. Thanks to the everydayers, of course, for for dropping into the show as you typically do. I'm sorry for coming a little later to you than I usually would, but uh, you're the best. And if you're an everydayer, please let us know in the comments. So I uh, I know, and it's nice to see that little heads up. Oh, there's an everydayer. You're my best friend. Cool. Um, let's get to it. The big question to close this off is, do you trade one of Pressures or Chris Boucher? I think yes. We're going to get to that in a sec. Let's begin with the situation both of these guys find themselves in this summer. So Precious Achua is extension eligible, which, lead, which leads us to our daily Discord question of the day for these player review episodes. And it comes from our pal Ben Chapman asking, do you think there's any movement on a rookie extension for Precious this summer, or do we think the highs are too high and they'll play too inconsistent to have any room for an agreement to materialize? Very good question. I don't see an extension this summer for Precious. This feels like a classic kick the can down the road and figure it out in a year's time when we have more information type of situation. Could you tell me what, like, Precious that she was worth right now? I have no idea. Like, he's he's very talented. He's tantalizing. He's got a lot going for him. He's a very good defensive player. I don't know where the offense is going to be. And, yeah, it's you, know, you had those two months that you kind of lost information gathering-wise as well with the injury this year. I don't think you can in any confidence this summer say, here's a number that we think is going to age well, Precious Achua, please sign here. It feels like this one, and maybe even Precious is going to want another year to really build up his value, right? Like if the Raptors were to sign up to an extension right now, what's he getting? Like maybe 12 million, like maybe Boucher's number. Is there a world in which Precious gets more than that if he waits it out another year? Is it valuable for the Raptors if they're super high on him to lock him into a contract this year? That seems risky as well, because if Precious, look, I don't think this is going to happen necessarily, but 23-year-olds wash out of the league all the time. Guys have promising starts, and it and it kind of goes away because they can't hone that one thing that would put them over the top all the time. I believe that Precious is going to be a good player, 
But considering the situation the team's going to find themselves in with lots of money on the books, Pascal's extension maybe this summer, potentially an OG extension this summer, or trying to re-sign him next year, like, man, I, I don't know if you can take the risk to lock in money for Precious when you don't have to right now. Like, you get to RFA next year, great. You have all the power. You can match any deal, whatever. Um, you know, it's always more of a boogeyman than it actually is, restricted free agency. How many offer sheets have we seen in the last 10 years? Like, Otto Porter Jr., Alan Crabb? Like, any more than that? Not really. Like, it's a pretty rare thing that gets built up as this massive risk to lose a player. Don't really see it happening with Precious. He doesn't seem like the type of guy who a team would go and use up cap space in the middle of the free agent frenzy to go and throw a big offer sheet at. Maybe he is, but I I think you got to take that risk, know that you have control going into next year, and just wait and see, because I don't think we have enough info on Precious that you would really say what he's going to be worth and what uh, a reasonable contract will be. Um, it could be that it costs them some money if they don't lock him in this summer. He has a great year next season. Sure, yeah, but like then he's a really good player you're happy to pay more money to. So I, I don't think that's a problem. Um, I, I think uh, I would be pretty surprised if there was any extension talk this summer between Precious and the Raptors. There'll be talk, I guess, but I don't think they're going to come to something because I... I, I I don't know. Like, put it in the comments. Like, what would you pay Precious Achua right now? What is his, like, annual salary worth? And, look, I hate talking about this stuff through the lens of, like, what's he worth money-wise? But that's the reality we live in. Let me know in the comments what you think on Precious's annual average salary and what it should be. Uh, Because right now... I, I could not put less of a finger on what that number should be. With Chris Boucher... His situation this summer, pretty simple. He's signed for the next two seasons. You know, a declining contract makes like $11.8 bucks next year, 10.8 the following year on that declining deal. Uh, all guaranteed, no player options, no non-guarantees, anything like that. He's just on the team for the next two years. And if that's the case, you're probably fine with it. Like, he's a very decent bench player. Would like a little bit more consistency from him this year or this coming season than you got from him in 22-23. Um, but I think that's a fine thing. Problem is... And this is where you get to the conundrum, and I think probably the decision the Raptors are going to have to make is, is there really sense in bringing both of these guys back to play together on the same bench again? What was the problem with the Raptors this year? Well, many problems, but like, what was one of the signature problems of the Raptors this year? They didn't have enough ways to play. They just didn't have enough stylistic diversity. They didn't have enough options off the bench to come in and offer new looks and new styles and different answers to different tactical things that other teams were throwing at them. And I think a big part of that is just like it's too much of the same coming off the bench. Not to mention all like the starters is all, you got Scotty, you got Pascal, you got uh, OG, all big long dudes. And it's not to say that I think the Raptors should totally abandon the idea of having big long players on their team. Like dudes who are 6'8", 6'9", there's clearly value to have players like that, but... At what point is it a sort of surplus to requirements? At what point does it become negative value to have too many like-sized and like-styled players and not enough differential skill sets, not enough guard play, shooting, all that stuff? Again, if Chris Boucher was a 38% three-point shooter, not a problem. He's on your team. You're laughing if that's the case, but he's not, and he hasn't been since Tampa, and we all know Tampa was like the garbage time of basketball seasons. It just didn't matter. It was like, whose line is it anyway? It just didn't matter, and so... I don't know if you can have both these guys light shooting, defense first, I guess, sort of transition living, wing forward, sort of hybrid types on the team together. 
when there are other issues to be addressed. Like, if you can go and get some guard play and some other stuff without having to expend one of Precious or, or Boucher, then great. But I, I just, it feels like with all the maneuvering the Raptors have to do this offseason, with the three pending UFAs who they presumably want to sign, at least two of them, we're not sure about Gary Trent Jr., but we'll see. Uh, when you factor in, you know, the sort of the cap implications and the uh, mid-level exception not always yielding great fruit, Otto Porter Jr., example number one, Aaron Baines, example number two, going down the line of mid-level exceptions being kind of a flip of the coin as to whether or not they're going to be valuable players or not on that deal. Um, I, I wonder if the best way to improve the roster and balance out that bench is to flip one of these two guys. And look, Precious probably has more value right now. I, I think I would lean trading Boucher for a couple of reasons. One, he has the bigger contract, right? Like Precious is still on his rookie scale deal. He doesn't make a ton of money, uh, like three million bucks or something like that. It's not crazy. Whereas Boucher makes eleven million bucks, twelve million bucks nearly next year. And the Raptors, they can shed any money in a trade, bring back someone who's worth a little bit less. Like that's helpful in their efforts to keep guys and stay under the luxury tax, which I don't imagine they're going to go play the tax for a team that just finished forty-one and forty-one. It, there's a lot of uh, punitive measures that come in when you pay the tax. It's not them being cheap. It's them being smart business-wise with the constructs of the league. Um, and, and so with Boucher, I keep on circling the idea of do you flip him for a guard kind of of his caliber? That's the kind of deal I think is really something the Raptors got to look at this year. And look, if they're trying to get someone better, then maybe Precious is the guy. And you lean on Boucher, you keep him in the in the in, in house for the next couple of seasons. Maybe there's a guy somewhere else who's been you know kind of on the same rookie deal situation is precious where maybe there's just like a flip of, of, of situations that makes more sense uh you can get a young controllable piece who's to say i haven't really done a deep dive into who you could trade precious for right now but boucher i think there's some pretty interesting candidates out there and you're what you're looking for is a team that's flush with guard depth that needs a little bit more help at the forward big spots and a couple teams come to mind the pacers they scream we have only guards and like one big man please make a trade with us I keep on looking at TJ McConnell. I know he's not a great three-point shooter, but man, would he be just an absolute boon to the second unit, the kind of backup point guard you badly need, a guy who just, like, he's an adult in the room. He knows what he's doing. Yes, he's a pest. Yes, I'd be super annoyed watching him play for my basketball team until I wasn't annoyed, until I appreciated him for all of his uh, chicanery. But, you know, he's a guy who I think makes a lot of sense as, like, a like-for-like, sorry, need-for-need type swap with a Pacers team that has a million guards already on the roster. Maybe you can go and convince them to give you an Andrew Nemhard for a precious. I doubt that's happening because Andrew Nemhard is awesome. But um, maybe that's something you can look at if you're trying to go for a little higher upside play with your with your deal this offseason, if you are going to deal one of these two. Um, you know, other teams that come to mind, I mean, the Knicks have a lot of guard depth. Maybe there's a Quentin Grimes or something. I know he hasn't exactly shown out in the playoffs, but, uh, you know, they don't have a ton of big man depth beyond Mitchell Robinson and Isaiah Hardenstein and maybe the offensive rebounding that Boucher provides. Maybe that's something they could use off the second unit. Obviously they have Obi Toppin as well. So maybe that's not the type of move they want, but they got guards. Maybe that's a, a way to look. Deuce McBride's there too. Um, the Nets have just like a million wings and dudes and guys and don't have a ton of big man play. I think Boucher would be the tallest net if he was on the nets. Um, so maybe there's a deal there. The Thunder have, uh, a, you know, a lot of guard play, not a ton of bigs. Obviously, they're getting Chet Holmgren back that next year, but maybe they're looking to sort of get more serious and have a legit bench instead of having five good players like they had this season. Um, and maybe a Chris Boucher can slot in nicely as a second unit guy for them. Like We'll dig into all the options and all the potential matches there for Chris Boucher, but end of the day... I think flipping Boucher this summer is the move because that second unit needs some diversity of skills, needs more shooting badly, and that might be your best avenue to doing it. 
If you can find a way to do it without moving Boucher, great. But seems like it might be kind of tough. And, and so that's where I'm at. That, that's, I think, the sort of we can put the bow on it. We'll examine, I'm sure, other potential trades for these guys in the offseason as we continue forward here. But that is it for our season review of Precious Achua and Chris Boucher. And we basically reviewed all the important guys. We'll have an episode probably later this week where we look at the bench guys after Boucher and Achua and who's there for the future, who's not. Maybe we'll make a game show out of it. But uh, this was uh, basically a team that had eight good players. We've now reviewed those eight good player seasons, and we will continue forward. Again, tomorrow on the show, Howard Beck's along, and we're going to talk about the Raptors' big offseason question. Should be great. Obviously, Howard, super plugged in around the league. We'll get the intel on what the league is thinking of what the Raptors are doing and all of that good stuff with Howard tomorrow. Uh, and another loaded week. we got Katie Heindel, Jamar Hines, Vivek Jacob, regular guests later on in the show, later on in the week on the show and uh, we will leave it off there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please go subscribe to the podcast for free wherever you get your podcast. It's always much appreciated when you go ahead and do that. And uh, join our Discord. Again, link's in the description. Jump on in, hang in our Discord chat. Super fun in there. 50 people all in there sharing unhinged fake trade ideas for the offseason and talking about other stuff as well. Don't worry. It's not just fake trade sickos. There's just one channel for the fake trade sickos because they should be in their own little corner. I'm in that corner myself. Um, But with that... Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you again tomorrow with Howard Beck and uh, have yourself a wonderful rest of your day. Bye-bye. Thanks for hanging. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.